power, power, power everywhere. Not a drop. Two, four, for empowerment. We hear about empowerment all the time. Women's empowerment, women's empowerment. And of course, I started thinking, well, in an optic of pleasure seeking, how could we have gain power through pleasure seeking? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of the Pleasure Seeking power all about. Anyway, when you talk about defensive dressing, um, we're able to get a glimpse of what goes on socially in a delicate dance of potentially shifting power among women, how women dress for women. And we mentioned that defensive dressing is all about playing and socially distancing yourself and coming close to others. All that is visible to the eye and not visible to the eye. There is a TV series that aired between 2014 to early 2020. It was called Power. And it's really an interesting example of that elusive nature of power and how its visibility and invisibility both have commanding influences in our lives. In this series, James, aka Ghost, is a gifted drug dealer who wanted to leave the criminal world to pursue legitimate business interests as a nightclub owner. It mirrored, this all mirrored, the balancing act between what we experience when we deal with family and the challenging efforts of shifting peer alliances and economic conditions, all linked to our work activities, professional requirements, or the extension of ourselves outward in any case. This is what we might call survival. Known for her transformation, Bridget, the goddess of survival had to live in disguise in order to survive. The key word here is transformation, in order to exercise your power. We have to remember that femininity has power, as Alexandria Ortiz Cortez has said publicly. But do females really have power? And if they do, what kind of power? What power do they lack and why? Simply put, power embodies the notions, the notion of social institutions, like the media, for example, and the way they function to maintain a sort of hierarchical structure 
by reproducing an understanding of the world that those who are part of the lower rungs of the hierarchies actually become complicit to sustaining the interest of those who dominate. These dominant forces are powerful and thrive because their position over time is normalized, precisely through the media, for example. But power isn't a closed system. It's not fixed, but rather open to challenge. And power essentially operates in all social interactions and in all institutions. Humans, as social beings, are enmeshed in power relationships which are reflected in the way we use language. Language both constructs and constrains knowledge about everything we say. Sure, reality exists outside the language we use, you might think, but it is constantly mediated by and through language. Messages, ideas, and ideology are encoded in the way we speak, which makes up our stance, the place from which we view the world. There are three positions or stances when we speak. There's the preferred position, there's the negotiated position, and the oppositional stance. A preferred stance places us in a dominant power position and reflects equivalence to someone we interact with. An oppositional stance occurs when what we say is understood and then elaborated into an alternative perspective. A negotiated stance, as you can imagine, involves a mixture of powerful and powerless positions when you accept the authority or power of the other person, broadly speaking. Now, interestingly, this is where the game truly starts. The superpower of a goddess resides in seizing daily opportunities where those around you are reminded of your innate qualities, especially when you override antagonism or opposition and embrace the pleasure of offering a, pers a person the option of negotiating their power. Egyptologist Kara Cooney also offers us several fascinating books and lectures on women's power in the ancient world, and they serve as a, spring for, a springboard for us to discuss power here. In the social world, we can identify four different forms of power. Ideological power, economic power, military power, and political power. Of course, these all overlap and influence each other to a certain extent. For example, if you have economic power, this may influence your military power. If you have military power, you can have more political power. With more political power, you can convince more people 
to join you, which in turn increases your potential military power. Let's talk a bit now about ideological power. Ideology is all around us. This power is pliable, variable, and adaptable, and can be used over time, both in the, nor- in the short or long term. It's extraordinarily powerful, but not always linked to religion, which is only one aspect of ideological power. Think of an NFL game where a number of African-American players were kneeling in response to to police brutality in the world around them. This has happened recently. Some people found this to be an affront since the national anthem and the flag of the United States weren't being honored when the players knelt. National patriotism viewed through a national anthem is a testament to a country's foundational beliefs and its greatness. Strong emotions surround patriarchal rituals like singing the national anthem. But ideology is not only what we might believe to be political. Much research in psychology is concerned with the causes, the consequences, and content of ideology. And socialists define ideology as a set of cultural beliefs that justify particular social arrangements. Ideologies use a society's system to organize social relations into a hierarchy, where the dominant ideology is passed along through major social institutions, such as the media, as we have said, or the family, or education, and religion. Does this sound a bit familiar to you? Patriarchy has dominated the world in most societies, and again, A must-mention here is the strength of language and its ideological power. All throughout history, this was the case, and I will be returning to the underlying notion in this podcast that language actually defines who we are and what we think. Here, it shapes ideology, and at the same time, it is shaped by ideology. It remains our pleasure and our prerogative to mold our messages to reflect a new perspective rather than being boxed into a pre-existing mindset. Here's an example. Your new company caters to working mothers and includes a nursery on the premises. Part of your company culture puts a premium premium on all that is natural, from the food in its cafeteria to the toiletries used in restrooms. A message posted at the entrance of the nursery reads, Make your children smile and bring, bring homemade snacks. A joy for any child. If you think of it, this message is quite different from something like, irrespective of, of 
something that goes like this. Kindly abstain from bringing any snacks that are prepared with chemicals or food coloring. Now, irrespective of the kindly in this last message, in this second message, we have to say that the first message is an invitation to bring a smile to a child's face, whereas the second is the communication of exclusion, prohibition, or interdiction with no supporting reasoning. Let's go on now to discuss economic power. In the ancient world, economic power was not necessarily represented by money per se, but by a wealth of resources. This would then feed into other kinds of power. In my professional practice working with women who wish to analyze their lives in relation to patterns they observe, I always suggest reconstructing their history. We often get to the root of energetic blocks and restrictions through hypnotherapy and past life regression sessions. Any form of soul therapy makes it possible to understand and deal with blocks and restrictions that hold them from living an enjoyable, fulfilling life and future lives. I have to say that without exception, when dealing with women, they never emerge to be in positions of power in their past lives, but rather are accessories to power or are bonded in some way to males holding power. You say I'm not good looking, but you must be mistooken, cause a hundred thousand women can't be wrong. Also, without exception, it is economic power that historically moves social interaction for women in power circles. Through pleasure-seeking, the very perspective of power is revolutionized and women undeniably break unwanted patterns, embracing transformation on their own terms, and at the same time, they step into a context of economic power by influencing others. Think of it. After all, what is, who is an influencer? An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of their authority, their knowledge, their position, or their relationship with people around them. There's no greater attraction than an exuberant woman who thoroughly enjoys herself in any environment. And in a money-making context, this spells power. On to political power. Political power is sort of difficult to define. It's basically the ability of one person or group of people to use their will, their negotiating talents, or simply their ability to convince others that what they believe and are doing is right. Their negotiation skills, the way they speak, or the impact of their speeches that attempt to get people 
to move in certain directions are all what we might consider as invisible strengths. And it's the power of persuasion and is the most difficult aspect of power to identify. But like the famous statement of the legal definition of pornography, I truly think we all know what political power is when we see it. We know that a politician is often seen as a duplicitous person, since political power is also about negotiation and trading favors. But when women are associated with political power, more often than not, it is the duplicitous nature that is focused on. A woman can and does attain political power, but her image will most likely be harmed in the process in a way that a man's is not. It's important to underscore the great influence invisible strengths have. You'll find that as you become more adept at seeking pleasure, you will refine your visibility-invisibility dance to suit your needs in different contexts. But more on that later. We're now getting to military power. And lo and behold, there is a side to military power that concerns women's empowerment. Military power is the ability to make people do something by coercion, involving some form of weapons, drones, or something similar. This power was historically relegated to men because of their strength. But ancient women were by and large excluded from uh, military power, as we know, unless, unless they could buy their way in, raising their own armies with their own funds, like Fulvia of Rome or Cleopatra of Egypt did. Of course, today, we know that women the world over have joined the ranks of military and armed forces, and military is influenced by, as we said before, economics, politics, and ideology, but it is somewhat limited. It's sort of a short-term way of getting what you want. And usually, the threat of military action itself has enormously greater influence than the exercise of military might. And this is basically because the visible aftermath of using military force, the optics, may influence people negatively and hinder you from gaining any political power in the long term. It can actually be actually be rather expensive to use military purpose for any length of time. And as you might guess, this undoubtedly has an impact on economic power, which in turn influences political power, as we've already said. But there are always limits to military power, and there are alternate solutions. There are things we can do that are actual game changers. Better than military power is a far more effective strategy that is based on game theory. 
In his captivating work called The Infinite Game, Simon Sinek offers us a glimpse of all that's possible once we shift our perspective. For example, in a relationship game, be it romantic or professional, the ultimate goal, goal of winning would end the game and end the relationship. But in order to keep playing the game, our strategies necessarily have to change, often requiring us to sidestep the limelight and don an invisibility cape to then become more visible in moments when we find pleasure in showing our greatest of strengths, using time and space to our advantage. We need to fully understand what's at stake before entering a game of power so we can use our language to make an impact. From the description of the different forms of power, we see that it's essentially the degree to which the person speaker can impose their own plans and self-evaluation at the expense of the other person's plans and self-evaluation. What was that? You read it. You heard it. You heard me right. This idea refers to power exerted in our language rather than power invested in people by virtue of their rank in society and rank and status in society. In other words, you can adopt either a powerful or a powerless position when you speak by choosing to exclude or include concern for the other person's point of view, their goals, and so on. My own research on how power, how language works, brought to light that both our stance, the, the position of our perspective, and our voice, uh, which is the attitude that emerges in, in the language we use, actually align us in relation to what we say and who we speak to. If, let me give you some examples. Let's use an example to get a grasp of how we can literally wield power through our language. Exercising power is achieved by excluding or distancing the person you speak to and by using very direct language. Imagine there are five people on your team who have been doing internships, but your budget allows you only to hire two of them. Using direct language and maintaining greater distance from someone means saying something like, Unfortunately, Miss X, we cannot take you on because your progress doesn't match our projections for a person in this capacity. Using less direct language and maintaining less distance from someone would be like saying this. Unfortunately, Miss X, as you know, we only need two new staff members. And although your presence here has contributed to the overall improvement of our working environment, our choice also needs to take into account performance levels, which fall a bit short of our expectation for expectations for a person in this capacity. Now, how would you feel after hearing the first message? There truly is little room for any negotiation. The negotiative stance mentioned previously is only possible following a less 
direct message with less distance between speakers. Of course, unless you want to start a war. <laughs> In the second communication, you get the feeling that you could reply by countering with something like, of course, performance levels improve in time, knowing myself. I can assure you that after learning the ropes, you could count on my improved accomplishments. But regardless of whether you are then taken into consideration for hiring, less direct language offers you wiggle room in the power play we entertain with others. All in all, power seems to be something we command. But as Jessica, Pierin, uh, uh, Jessica, Pierins, uh, Jessica per Pearson, <laughs> little power today, <laughs> as Jessica Pierce, Pearson, Gina Torres, the actress, has demonstrated, if we're consumed by power, power will command us. And goddesses are not consumed by power. The ethereal nature of goddess power is at once both visible and invisible. It just is. We don't need a paycheck to prove it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back with another episode soon. Bye-bye. Not for the meat, just for the thrill.